So I think it's really important to kind of hang on to why you're doing this, right? Is that, yes, we're all going to live, like you said, to about 120. Yeah. Do you want to do something with your life or do you want to just, you know, kind of waste it away? Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Jessica Chim from Echo Business, uh, here to talk about her eight-year journey of starting off from a home business to now a platform of 15 people telling the story of sustainability in Asia. Uh, it's a really informative, tactical interview about how she's done this. Thank you very much, Jessica, for your time. Thank you very much, Richard. Introduce yourself briefly and um, Echo Business. Okay, so my name is Jessica Chiang. I'm managing editor of Eco Business, and Eco Business is the only media publication in Asia Pacific dedicated to reporting on sustainable development. We started in 2009. Okay. It's now almost 10 years, and we're still going. So yeah, I mean, it's it's good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> okay, so a little bit about your background. How did you get into this? How did you? Why did you decide to start this platform? So I have been a journalist all my life and still am. Um, I started my career at the Straits Times, which is Singapore's national newspaper. And I was being frustrated with the fact that mainstream media wasn't really reporting on climate change or on sustainable development. So I kind of started it as like kind of an experiment, you know, and um, journalists were writing for it for free. But, you know, after a while, everybody's got busy, you know, and, and I, I wasn't quite sure that, uh, that it would work. But then my business partner and I then decided that actually we're going to try and turn it into a viable business model, mm. one that's a social uh, enterprise, one that has got social and environment impact and then when I finished up at EST in 2013, I came on it full time and we've been just doing this ever since. Now I've found that getting people to read about sustainability is a very tough proposition. What was it like early days? Like, how did you get started? What were the earliest stories that you were trying to tell? Well, actually, really at the start, we focused on trying to tell the stories of, of, of people who were trying to respond to the crisis, right? I mean, climate change has become so much more acute mm. since we started. Somebody needs to tell that story. Somebody needs to tell the signs. So there were those kind of stories that we told. But then there were actually the positive stories, you know, like what were corporates doing, what were individuals doing in the communities. Mm. And we focused on telling those stories because really, actually, everyone wants to go in that direction. So they're not quite sure how, they're not quite sure how fast, um, but it was important to have that conversation. Um, it was you and your business partner. You've got to do a lot of content development, your editing, your technology, everything. What were the early days like? It was just a very small team with an administrator and an editor um, trying to do as much as possible. But you started at a time where before social media was really full force. So you still had the opportunity to write long form blogs, long form. So. Did you start with long form and how have you over time had to adjust that to the social media reality of 200 words, a quick picture, a meme? Like what did you start with and how have you learned through that process? You know, that's a really interesting question and I have to say that um, it's actually both. So when we started, it was yeah, very much you know in the um, vein of traditional journalism where we had the long form story. But we found that yeah, you know, people's attention weren't um, really that, you know, they don't really pay attention on social media. They, they, they scan a news article and whatever. So we then tried to write for that generation, which was like six to 800 words, shorter pieces, good visuals. But I'll tell you something that, that there is no substitute for good journalism because mm. we've now gone back to writing the big long special reports. Do you actively sit there in front of a whiteboard and go we have this category, this category, this category and they like this and they like this and you plan to do, do you try to do all of it or are there are a few things you're like no we just do this and we leave the other people behind? 
Well, actually, we have a few different types of content mm -hmm. and we know what kind of content works on which platform. So okay. I'll give you an example. On a daily basis, our newsroom decides, okay, which events we're going to cover, which feature stories we're going to write, and then we dedicate ourselves to one special report. We know the special report is a long-form format. We spend months producing that. The daily stuff, we know that it's going to be something that's read quite quickly. We try and keep it to six to 800 words. Then when we post it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, then we coach it to those platforms as well. It's a question or it's a debate or, you know, so we have to write to the platform, we have to write yeah. to the target audience and I find that, that that really helps. What are the best ways to learn how to write to the platform? I mean, it's really trial and error as to how we determine what tone or what voice to take with each platform. But at the end of the day, what I think comes through is that we are for the truth, we are for accuracy, we are for transparency, we want to shed light on important issues. And that seriousness comes through, but we try to do it in an engaging manner. So clever headlines, you know, questions or, you know, something a little bit more interesting. And we're still trialing and sometimes, you know, I read a, a post that my team has written it's like, oh my God, that's so boring, who's going to read that? And then it's like, try, okay, we'll try again you know yeah. how, how do we get people engaged with the content yeah. how do you measure engagement like how do you measure the success of your trial and error or the long term how you've been how you've been yeah, it's down to numbers. I mean, our website has been growing in readership. We've just had a 10% increase year on year, you know, of readers, more than 1 million page views, more than 150,000 unique visitors a month. And then our Facebook group keeps growing, our Twitter followers keep growing. And then now our stories get shared more. People are commenting more. So we can see the engagement there. And then we use LinkedIn as well. And so there are different ways that we kind of engage people, both offline and online. And I think that that's also important that you have the community the talk funding model mm -hmm. journalism right now is going through a come to Jesus on how they make money how do you guys make money as a new upstart um, you know with we're not that new anymore well you know I mean <laughs> in, in the media people, industry yes. you are right like yeah. you're, you're only eight years old yes, that's um, and you have what 10 10 full-time 15, 15 full -time. like yeah. how, how do you make sure that they can eat when nobody else can seem to make a newspaper sustainable anymore. I keep having to go to our partners and go, look, you know, what you're doing is you're funding journalism, you're funding a media publication that is writing about stuff that nobody else is writing about. And it's really important to have this conversation. Yeah. And fortunately for us, you know, in the recent years, people understand that. And so our revenue comes from marketing, um, advertising, events, um, you know, video production. So marketing advertising means consulting to companies on marketing? Their, their no, no, no. Like people People advertise on our platform. Oh, okay. You know the okay. ads. Okay. The ads yeah, yeah. bring in revenue. Wow. People okay. advertise on our email newsletters. People advertise with us because they want their event to be well attended. They want the story to be told. And we're finding. I mean, like any. I mean, you think about the Economist or the Straits Times or New York yeah. Times, right? The, a lot of their advertising is from advertisers. But we are now branching into a different one. We want it to be citizen-led, and that's why mm. we launched EB Circle. Okay. We hope that if that re reaches a critical mass, then we're going to get more funding from people who want to read us mm. instead of having to rely on commercial funding and I think the Guardian now generates millions of pounds from that model and it's more than half the operating revenue now comes from wow. that and you know the mainstream media so their scale is much larger yeah, sure, sure, sure. but you know we hope to get there yeah so what what's your sales pitch like we have a we have a million page views a month they're all good people like 
Who's, who's buying that? <laughs> right? Like who, which brand is like, oh, that's the most important ecosystem for me to access and I'm going to pay you like I would pay The Economist? No, we provide a lot of value to partners who know that we produce quality content, one, mm. and we reach decision makers, two, and yeah. we are also the setters of the conversation. We are the people who are leading the conversation. So we provide a lot of um, services, whether it's from editorial to communication needs to actually like just kind of being their, their, their partner, you know, their friend in like just saying, okay, this is your story, this is where you want to go, how do you do that? So we, yeah, we generate our revenue through that. We actually do a lot of partnerships, not j just revenue generating, we partner with people like WWF on plastic pollution and we, we co-organize roundtables to, to advance the policy dialogue so that we can yeah. see change. Change and impact is actually much, much more important for us than, than anything else. Um, what, are the, what, are the, what are the ways that you use data analytics to look at your platform um, to figure out what's working, what's not, and then when you realize that something's not working, what are some of the basic adjustments that you will make to see if it's to see how to fix it, to make to make the improvement? Mm, yeah, well, we use Google Analytics for our platform and we have a really clear picture about who's reading us and their engagement. For our website, you know, we, are, we have pretty engaged readers. That our average time is about two minutes plus okay. to three minutes engagement good. before they bounce off. what's your off. bounce rate? I can't remember right now. Okay, I'm going to give you my media kit. Um, but we use the analytics to see and actually we do this annual exercise which actually should be monthly where we have the top stories and we see which yeah. ones go viral, which ones don't. The listicles always do well, for example. Mm. The slightly heavier stuff like about finance tends not to do as well because right, right. they are a bit harder to digest. So yeah, we use the analytics to kind of adjust what we're going to cover and we try and as much as possible produce something that's readable. Mm -hmm. There's no substitute for producing readable right, right, stories right. basically. There's a lot of interesting people doing a lot of interesting things in new media. Do you look at how they tell story, how they engage their readers, then bring it into yours? Like, how are you learning through this process? So how we guide our coverage is we look at things that have um, magnitude, so things that have big impact, things that are global, but then also things that are very local. You know, what are you doing in my community that's actually making a huge difference? And we try to cover stories in that way. We always take a very journalistic approach, so I wouldn't say that we, we have any one publication that we try to emulate. We try to have our own voice, sure. um, but as much as possible, you know, we are, we're also looking into how to make things more conversational and, and by, you know, posting on social media different things, we, we kind of figure that out, yeah. I'm really curious how you went from a journalist to an entrepreneur now who has 15 staff. Um, what has it been like going from a paid position where you were at? Yeah, you know, I think the hardest part is actually having to sell something because mm -hmm. I used to just use gather and write, you know, and then now it's like I'm selling a value proposition. It's like do business with us and, you know, we can help you achieve X, Y, Z. Um, and that has been a really steep learning curve. But actually, I, I would say that, I, you know, it's not really even a sell so-called, but, you know, yeah. kind of like a belief, right, that the journalism that we're doing is important and then going out to the market and going, hey, you know, like let's let's do something together and make something meaningful. So that, that learning curve has been really steep for me but what I would say is that I still really enjoy the journalist part mm. a lot more just yeah. came back from Antarctica and it was just two weeks of like 
glorious, you know, me time interviewing people, mm. filming documentaries, doing photography, and it's so important to keep that creative side because yeah. really, I mean, people come and read our content because we have good quality content, and sure. that is from the foundation of journalism that, that we've come here, mm. um, and then that enables us to then have a sustainable business in yeah. all senses of the word. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, journalism is, is very, very important. But then the organizational level, what are, some, what are some of the growing pains that you went through to go from you and your, and your partner in a small nook of the house to 15 people in a co-shared space here? I think the leap of faith was when we took our first office and actually believing like, hey, you know, we, we, we're both going to make a, 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 a going, you know, we're going to make something out of this and, and leaving a full-time job was also quite scary. Yeah. Um, but you just have to have that faith and trust me, there have been many times that we're like, you know, we should just shut the business. We probably make more money if we went and joined like a big corporation. Right, right. Um, but then there's no one doing this and then if we shut it down, it'd be like, who else is going to do that? And you know, fortunately, we've now got to critical mass where we have enough readers and enough recurring revenue that I can fund the newsroom. So that's really mm. good. But our aim is really in five years' time to become even bigger, maybe even global, you know, not just cover Asia, but to have an office in every Asian country to cover the, the issues that matter to that specific market. Sure, sure. So yeah, that's, that's where we want to be. Okay, that's an expensive proposition. Yeah. If you think about that, let's say if I told you in 10 years from now, you would have eight offices across major Asian markets, or you'd have at least, you know, Shanghai, Bangkok, Jakarta, Delhi, Dhaka. We want to get you know, there. Yeah. You get there, right? What are you doing today to put your brand there for 10 years from now? What do you have to do? Well, actually, this is a really interesting question. I actually really is to cover the market. So I have stringers in most of the major Asian cities, and they are the ones covering the, the, the stories that matter. What is actually a little bit of a challenge is then finding business to fund that coverage. It's like, obviously, yeah. journalists cost money, writers cost money. So how do we then find partners or funding to actually go into a market and say, hey, you know, I'm going to cover more stories there. And you find that actually once you get your stories there and you're covering a market, then people have interest. So it's a chicken and egg issue. Mm. And and we have to grow organically, we have to grow um, in that way, but really there's no substitute for it. 25-year-old Jessica's watching this. She's wondering, you know, how I can change the world and use my voice. Uh, what are three pieces of advice you would give to her? So like, don't start a business? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, sometimes I say that. <laughs> no. Um, well, actually, really, it's, yeah, to, to really persevere, really. I think that that's the one thing is like, there will be times where you'll be very, very discouraged, but try and keep the faith and, and see where you want to go. Think about things in a 10, 20 year horizon instead of a 3 year horizon. Um, and the other advice is like, find good people. You're only as good as your team. You really need to surround yourselves with people who inspire you, people who are better than you, people who see your vision and can help you get there. And I think that's really important. How do you wake up every day to feel inspired? I think it's really important to kind of hang on to why you're doing this, right? Is that, yes, we're all going to live, like you said, to about 120. Yeah. Do you want to do something with your life or do you want to just, you know, kind of waste it away? And we are a blip on this planet and in this universe. And really, what do you want to do with that time, that this very short span of time? Mm -hmm.